Welcome back, everyone. This is Eric Ellison with the Digital Education Podcast, and we're having um, doing a short series over the next few weeks and, and asking the question of who's missing in school leadership, in the classroom, and in our profession. And today I'm with Nathan Wagner, uh, who's an interim head of school down in Texas. Nathan, I'm just going to throw that question over to you. And, and from your perspective and from your experience and expertise, who's missing? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And I've kind of been thinking about it um, just as I've pondered over that and thought about that the last uh, couple of days or, or week here. Um, you know, I, and just to kind of um, tell you, at our school, we're a little bit different in the sense that we've got a, a pretty diverse campus. Um, and even our administration is pretty diverse as well. And so in some levels, when you look at Westbury Christian or you look at our school, um, you know, it looks like everybody's got a voice. And as I've kind of thought about who's missing, um, I really started thinking in terms of like the authenticity of the voice, not just necessarily having a voice, but actually having a real voice and a voice that's heard or understood. And so I've kind of looked at some ways and, and I've been challenged with some other things um, just to kind of reconsider that. Uh, one of the areas I think we often lack a voice is with students and especially having an authentic voice. Uh, if I think back over the six years that I've been high school principal, I think early on, uh, I felt like I had to come in and have all the answers and be the answer person. And so if we were going to do some sort of student engagement thing that I needed to come up with a really good engaging idea for students, and I need to make sure that that activity was the best, or I needed to plan all the details. And it, eventually, at some point, I don't remember when, it hit me like, well, this is stupid. I'm, I'm an old guy now. And no matter what I come up with, it's not going to be cool. And it's not going to be uh, what they're looking for. And so maybe I need to ask students. And so, you know, we kind of turn that over to students. And, and I think we do that a lot, uh, probably in, in many schools, that we, we kind of find these areas that are going to directly impact students. Uh, maybe they're fun events. Maybe it's, uh, you know, your student council or your homecoming weeks or these different activities. And we say, hey, that's going to impact students, so let's let students make the decisions there. And, and as I've kind of thought about that, you know, that's a pretty safe place for students to have a voice for an administrator because it, it really has no impact on the school. It doesn't really have any impact on me. It doesn't have any impact on anything except the students themselves. And so we give it to the students and we let them come up with it. And, and, you know, they come up with things that are much more probably engaging and fun. I feel like I've given them a voice. They feel like they've done something. But as you know, I've thought about that. In some ways, it's not really an authentic voice on the things that have consequence. Um, you know, I think a lot even when it comes to our curriculum. And, you know, we've, we've talked a lot at our school and put a stress on you know, trying to come up with, with um, you know, learning experiences that are going to be relevant and authentic, right? Authentic's the word. And so, um, you know, we want them to, to try to solve real world problems and direct application, all that. But we never stop and say, hey, here's a real world problem at our school building with our own school um, that you could actually maybe have the knowledge and the skills to do. Why don't you solve that problem instead of these hypothetical real world problems that we face that maybe they can't have an immediate impact on? Um, there's probably a balance there in that. But but as I thought about it, I realized, man, maybe what I ask students to do isn't actually authentic things. It's just kind of like superficial level, keep them busy, make them feel engaged. I don't think that's ever my thought, but, but as I think about it, I think that's what's happened. And so I'm thinking about that in terms of students. And I said, well, maybe we've done that in other places too, where we, we've given these superficial tasks to people to solve that aren't really authentic and don't really actually give them a voice in the major decision. And so... Uh, I, I hit pause and I think, okay, how, how much did I do that with teachers? Um, you know, we've got, we're kind of set up where we've got something called a faculty committee. Um, before I became principal, 
I sat in all those faculty uh, kind of committee uh, election things that we had during our in-service time before school. And I said all the same jokes about the committee that it wasn't really relevant and it didn't matter and, and you don't do anything. And so it really got me thinking like, well, why don't they do anything? And, and, and why don't we ask our faculty more, um, you know, questions and, and get their input on things that really matter to the very the life of the school. I think we have a tendency in administration to say, hey, that's an administrative level thing. We're going to deal with that, you know, the, the three or six brains that are here. The rest of you all just deal with what we come up with or work on your classrooms. And by the way, make sure that you get the student input into your classrooms. And so like, there's this discrepancy maybe in how we've um, even view teachers and when we, we've wanted their authentic input and when we've, um, you know, just kind of giving them superficial tasks to solve or problems to look at that, um, you know, how do we motivate faculty? Okay, you came up with jeans passes, you guys can wear jeans. That, that's not a real substantial, authentic kind of decision. Um, <clears throat> so we're actually, uh, we're kind of at this transition point in the school where it's kind of time for us to upgrade and, and update and revise our portrait of a graduate and some of our outcome statements. And so I was challenged in working with some other groups um, to really think about having students be a part of that process and especially some seniors that have been with us for a while. So I think that's what we're gonna do in uh, January when we get to that. Um, to me, that is a real, um, that's, that's a real decision and, and to have real input and to sit with teachers and, and staff members as, a, as an 18 year old and say, hey, actually when I think about the people I wanna be surrounded by or I think about the people that I have been surrounded by, um, this is what I'm proud of. This is where, like, what I'm looking for. This is what I think makes us different from where all my other friends go to school or from maybe where I teach here. So, um, you know, and that uh, for us as a school, that, that will have major impact on how we market ourselves, how we uh, position ourselves, how we talk about ourselves, um, how we design our curriculum, how we, we grow our chapel program. You know, that's, that's going to be a real decision and a real voice there. Um, so I think it's trying to find opportunities like that. And not feeling like um, as an administrator, I have to have all the uh, I have to have all the answers. Or it's only my brain that can solve these problems. And really, um, the more people that get involved in that process, I think the better on the actual things that matter, and not just necessarily the superficial things. <clears throat> and it's incredible because I mean, so often we, you know, it, we set up the acceptable parameters for people to enter into you know our world and so we we give them that facade of of involvement that facade of you know you, you know you're you're engaged in this but really you're not um somebody else is still making all the decisions about you know all of all of the the real power structures and parameters it, it, it's an incredibly vulnerable place to be and there's great risk in it. And that's maybe why a lot of people don't, you know, take these steps to involve or to engage real deep, authentic conversations that give people voice and, and ultimately give people power in, in, in giving them voice. So like, how are you dealing with that? Or how do you kind of come to that place as a leader and say, you know what, we are going to be vulnerable. We are going to take these risks because the authenticity of other people's voice and the true depth of engagement, it, it, it matters. So how do you maybe get over that as a leader yourself, but then how do you just embrace that position so that it, it is more welcoming and engaging for others? Yeah, so <clears throat> I found, you know, some of that is kind of like a, um, when I think about myself personally as a leader, you know, a little bit of that is kind of a personality thing. Um, that I have to kind of manage and, and, and work through. 
Um, you know, there's a lot of times, even if I think about my married life, uh, my wife will come to me and she'll express a problem or a situation that happens. I think about it in terms of a problem. She'll express a situation that happened during the day. I'll view it as a problem and I want to come up with a solution for it. And so I'll get, I'll give her without thinking my thoughts of what she should do or my critique of what she did do. And that's never what she was really asking. And so I found that um, in the school setting, in my professional setting, I really have to hit pause on my first response. Um, I'm, I, I kind of am a, a problem solver. And so other people might bring solutions. I might think it's a great idea. I might think it's not a good idea. I've, I've really had to like control my, I guess my tongue in that sense and to control my mouth and realize that, hey, actually, um, you know, this, there could just be different ways of doing this and it doesn't have to be my way. And it would probably be better for them to do it their way because they're the ones that are gonna actually have to do it. Um, now there might be some huge parameters that where I just know something that they don't to work through. Um, but I found that it, it really is a struggle. It's, it's not even just like a, I woke up one day and said, hey, from now on, I'm going to make sure that I validate everybody else's opinion and that I exercise intellectual humility and um, a humble leader and, and do that. I, it, it really is kind of like a daily um, moment by moment, admin meeting by admin meeting kind of check that I have to go through. And, I, and I'm definitely imperfect at that. Um, but I think, you know, how, how you get there as a school, I think is definitely something that has to be modeled if it's not normal in your school setting. Um, I don't, and I, I'm sure in, in pockets of our school, it's there. Um, I, I've just come to realize that school is so much bigger than anything that I understand or can do. Um, and that it's actually kind of relieving to, to relinquish some of that control. Um, but I think it's going to take time of me kind of modeling that um, and for others to see it. And then, you know, to, when I'm sitting in admin meetings to validate the opinions of my other administrators and their ideas, um, so they go and turn around and they will do the same with others. You know, I work with parables about the of how we return the grace that we've been given. Um, um, and I think that's the, that's the, that, that modeling is part of what has to happen. there. And so that's kind of what I've been focusing on um, in, in what I'm trying to do. But for me, it's a daily wake up and have to make that decision because it's not my, not my personality and not probably my first instinct there. It, it rarely is it in my experience, you know, school administrators, personalities, because part of the pro, part of part of why they got to the positions is oftentimes is they're good problem solvers. Right. People have problems and I'm a good problem solver. And so, you know, it's kind of like, hey, you know, somebody gets elevated or somebody gets promoted or somebody gets sought out for a committee or, you know, it's because they can solve complex problems. And, and so then then they just get sought out for that. Um, so you gave one practical solution, maybe one last question. So there's a practical solution or practical place where it's like, hey, we're, we're redoing our portrait of a graduate and we're going to involve students in that process. One of the things that I did that was transformative for a school community that I was part of when I was principal was um, I took over student council as principal and I gave them real power. And the president of student council sat on my administrative team. And the only time that they were dismissed was when we were dealing with really private or things that they couldn't be a part of. But if it was school planning, you know, all of the different things. So, and it was transformative because they got to sit and they got to hear and they got to be a part and their voice was valued in the same way as the other administrators. What might be one other practical way that you could say, hey, you know what, here's a way to involve people to give them real voice and especially maybe students. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so it, that's a, I love that example. Um, you know, one of the things that I've realized just in, in coming into the position that I have, I always feel like, hey, if I'd known everything that I now know, I would have complained a whole lot less about other things previously. Um, so we have this kind of, you know, this, we, we keep these things hidden where I'm, I'm kind of asking the question of why we keep these things hidden. So thinking about students in the same terms, I think is a great point. Um, so at our school, um, something similar that um, we've we've kind of walked away from, but I think it uh, it might be time to to move back towards. Um, we kind of used to have our student council set up to be also a um, um, kind of the disciplinary board as well, um, the little judicial system that kind of went with that. Which what we found was that you know students actually um, you know in our minds in our adult minds sometimes we say hey they'll never hold one another accountable they don't hold one another accountable. The reality is they actually usually have higher standards for one another than we might expect, which is probably true of us as adults as well. Uh, we hold others to higher standard in our peer group than maybe we assume that we would. And so I th student council is something that we're kind of looking to grow in there. Um, but the other probably highest impact area that, that I've seen teachers really flourish in, um, I've got one teacher in particular, he opens the school year where the students come up with all the rules for the classroom, kind of that, that contractual kind of uh, setup. And, or social contract. And um, so you can go in and we take, we have college students come and visit our campus. We'll show them that and we'll say, look, this is what the social contract thing is, blah, blah, blah. So it does exist on paper and you can look on paper and you can see that, hey, yeah, they actually have pretty good rules. I probably wouldn't even have made them do that, but, but you know, they've collectively come to do that. What's fascinating to me though, is if I go back and I continue to visit that classroom um, over the year, which I've done for several years now, or to the end of the year or throughout the year, it's not just the, that they're a well-behaved and well-managed class because they've all bought into it, but what happens from that kind of collective agreement, it, it seems like it transforms everything else that happens in the classroom. And so when I watch those classes and those students, um, you know, uh, interact with one another, um, when you interact with one another in a respectful way, you learn a whole lot more than when people are on edge and anxious and at one another's, you know, odds. Uh, when you, uh, the, the teacher gets to go quicker or move through things more fully, or you get to do more of the enhanced kind of hands-on types of things. And, and so just the whole class flourishes as a whole, but I can take those same kids in that class and I can go watch them in another classroom that didn't do that, that didn't give that student voice at the beginning. And those exact same kids that I watch flourish in one classroom maybe aren't in another classroom, even though it's the same human beings involved, an equally adept teacher involved. They just haven't had that that opportunity to speak up and give voice and be a real part of it. And so I think, uh, you know, even classroom expectations, kind of that classroom level, if we stop treating them like uh, preschool kids and treat older students like older students and young adults, then I think it, it carries a long way. And it, 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 it's not just like a classroom management technique. It's a, it, it has to do with the real flourishing because you've been you, you've been respected on a human level and on that foundational level. And that 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 is always going to raise people up um, and, and I think that's what I think that's the kind of hidden message in giving voice is that it's not just that I gave you a voice that I control and now you have it's that I'm actually recognizing you as equal and valid and, and valuable and um, that I'm going to hear you and listen to you and I think the whole bar raises when we do that um, I, I think we're just in a system that has been very ingrained to operate a different way and it's so it's it's, it's kind of creating, I guess, a mind shift or a way of thinking that's different than what we've always done in the past, which, which is, can be hard, but I think powerful. And I think once you go that direction, I mean, in my experience, you never want to go back. Yeah. So thank you, Nathan. Appreciate Absolutely. your thoughts.
My pleasure.